Well, there's no fade out there. Whoops. <laughs> All right. Welcome to the Big Story Podcast. Today, we have an awesome guest. Andy Bennett is joining me, us, me, just me, just me. Um, and uh, really excited to have Andy here. Um, Andy, hey, welcome. Welcome. Thanks to the very much. Yeah. Um, yeah, we... Uh, we were we were lamenting our, our 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 diminishing eyesight as time is robbing it from us. You said you think art school was the first thing that nailed you. I yeah, I, I had I had great eyesight until uh, it, it, sometime during my time in art school, I, I started noticing my problems. You know, as as you're looking across the room at a model, yeah. and then you get down here and you're drawing right next to your face, and then mm -hmm. you look back up and you can't see anything, and so. Yeah that that that's that was the beginning of the end it's yeah i i when i was i remember distinctly i think it was like 1994 I was in my apartment in uh in manhattan and i was working on some you know comic book project at the time and i was and i was just like i think i just recognized i'm like why am i getting headaches like i'm getting headaches and it was like one of these things where i was really proud of having really good eyesight and I thought like, oh no, I'm gonna, I'm losing my eyesight. It was this huge sort of like, you know, existential, you know, thing of for a twenty whatever year old, and yeah. uh, and so I went to the eye doctor, which is so un unlike me because typically I'm just like, whatever, I'll just suck it up, and but like for some reason this one drove me down there, and the guy did all the tests, and and he's like, he's like, no, your eyesight's fine. He's like, what you're doing is you're just straining your eyes because you're <laughs> staring all day long, you know, yeah. at you know, at this thing that's only a foot in front of your face. And sometimes you're like two inches away because you're stupid. And uh, he's like, just, you know what? Every like, every 50 minutes, like just stop and look across the room for a couple of minutes, look out the window and then go. And like, I did that and everything was fine. But like, yeah. it was one of those things. But this whole sort of looking at computer screens is like, I think there's just no hope. It's just digging our, digging its electrons into our brains and just burning our eyes out absolutely and that a lovely thought so, <laughs> um so let's let's go back where uh where did you like where'd you grow up southern ohio i've been in ohio my whole life um grew up in a little little town outside of portsmouth ohio which is right down on the ohio river yeah uh, right at the very bottom of the state yeah and, uh, yeah, grew up there and moved to Columbus for art school. And okay, yeah. here I've been ever since. Wow, and there you <laughs> there you remain. Yeah, that's cool. I we did a, I guess maybe it was, maybe like the first year of the pan. I think it was like pandemic year one. Um, we went we went to Southern Ohio for uh, like a vacation. My my wife is like, I want to go here and I want to go check out all the, uh, the Indian you know these because there's all these amazing like old indian cities over you know in that yeah. area so yeah, we stayed at this really interesting uh i don't know it, it wasn't an airbnb but simple something similar but it was all these like little cabins but they were like handmade cabins mm -hmm. and they had a um a viking longhouse um like on the like the main section and then there were all these sort of out cabins okay. it was nutty um and very fun, but then we, you know, got to throw an axe all afternoon, so that's cool. I see, um, yeah. You know, and then, uh, but yeah, we just visited those places, and oh my 
God, they're incredible. These, these locations, they're just, I mean, they're cities. I mean, these, there were, you know, there's a giant snake thing that, you know, the, the, the serpent the, mound. Yeah. Serpent mound. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. And the people who, who live there, who grew up there, just absolutely take all that stuff for granted. That's just, sure. it's just, there it is, you know? Yeah. It's not and unique we, to them. No, no, no. And because we like, well, but that, I think that's, that's, that's with everyone. Yeah. The, like, I mean, it's, you know, I grew up in New England and look, you know, when I took my wife home to show her where I grew up, she's like, you grew up in this, you know, because to her, it's like a picture book. And to me, I'm right. like, oh, it's just that place that I wanted to get away from. So, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So no offense. It's actually lovely. And I, you know, God, Godspeed to all live there. Thank you. Um, so that's cool. So, so Columbus in like, I mean, but it's like, it's really like Southern Ohio is beautiful, like rolling hills. Appalachia, yeah. Yeah, it's gorgeous. So, um, like I'm on the other side of Appalachia, so because up up in Asheville, so we're sort of like, you know, just kind of right over in South. Right. Um, like, was that like like was it the did the, the like the area kind of inspire you growing up, or was that like part of like? No, no. not not really at all. Um, it, it's it's honestly a very backward backward place, um, yeah. and uh, it, it's kind of a miracle that I ended up in any kind of creative field uh coming out of that background but um i had really supportive parents who totally got behind me they didn't understand it but they were all for it yeah uh, so i i gotta i gotta you know i gotta appreciate you know what they what they allowed me to do totally and, uh, you know i had i had good uh, i had a good teacher in high school art school art teacher in high school it was also very encouraging, and uh, so that, that that I really credit those guys with, you know, getting me out of there. Yeah, <laughs> showing you the way. Sure. There's, there's the door. Go. Right. Yeah. Well, that's so. That's I mean, but that's pretty. That's pretty amazing. That like you. Um, like so, I mean, was it was it? Are, are you an only kid, or did you have siblings? Were there? I have I have three siblings. I'm from a family oh of six, so. That's that's no joke. Yeah, no, it, it's uh, it, it was a really traditional Southern Ohio nuclear family situation. Wow. So so I, and how like so I mean if you're like so like obviously they were very supportive of that but like it's easy to kind of get lost in the mix of that of a of a large family like I yeah. have a lot of I have a lot of older siblings so I, uh, I'm like, the oldest of of the four so oh wow okay so that's a, that's an interesting dynamic right there yeah so. Oh, that's so that's so it's interesting. So like, I mean, you were the one like so they sort of they had to be kind of like keenly sensitive to you because you were the first there and, you know, in the scene. So you kind of set the tone. Yeah. Um, and and so like they were on that and really, you know, wonderful for them saying, hey, we're not going to go like, no, 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 you need to go play baseball or whatever the thing is that you didn't want to do. Right. So were you I mean, were you like a sensitive kid, like drawing and like making things or what was the. Yeah, I, they they tell me, you know, as a as a toddler, I was always asking them to draw things for me, hmm. uh, and then eventually, you know, I started doing it myself. And uh, you know, my dad worked uh, as an insurance salesman, and he would bring home just reams and reams of paper because they would just dispose of paperwork. Right. And so I always had plenty of stacks of paper to do my drawings on, and they always 
provided that and encouraged that. That is wow. That you just kind of maybe kind of flash on that, like because that was a big thing for me as a as a young kid is that my parents would always bring what I considered like, you know, these magical art supplies, you know, which are just office supplies home with them. Yeah. And they're like, here you go, here's this or that. And if stacks of cardboard or whatever the dumb thing was, and I was like, Oh my God, this is the best. And I would for sure. Yeah. Like, but it was like, you know, so like, I think, you know, maybe that's a kind of a common thread, maybe like, you know, it's an easy solution for a parent to go, Hey, like my kid, is inveterately using things up so we need to get supplies and here's the easiest way to do it you know? yeah oh that's so cool um and then you said you went to so like i mean did your art like was this a known quantity like i was talking with um will uh wilfredo torres and he was like you know he was talking about being the kid like everybody kind of knew he was the kid who could draw you know, so growing up, so like that was always like that's who you were and that's what you did. Yeah. If that was that was kind of my my high school uh, hook, yeah, that that's uh, for sure. Okay, and was I mean, were you comfortable like with that? That sort of that being the art guy for people? Yeah, totally. Okay, uh, that, that that became you know my identity. You know, everybody's struggling for identity in high school. You know, sure. so that was an easy one to to latch on to. And what were the things like? I mean, what were the things like growing up and you know up into into high school that kind of like I had this theory about the age of twelve. Like, I, like by the time you hit twelve, you kind of locked into the things that are going to be the things that are going to make you excited to one degree or another going on. So, did you have like favorite stuff? Like, were like you know I don't know using He-Man as an example, but you know whatever. Yeah, I mean, I I was a I was a comic book kid. I think probably about fourth grade or so. I started, um, you know, the comics collecting habit that is the downfall of all of us. But uh, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and, you know, I had some buddies who were also into the same kind of thing, and 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 we liked uh, what we liked. So I I was a big early fan of um, of comics in general, but I never really thought about doing it for a living it was never really a thing that seemed like a viable career for me so i'm like right you know as as, as like you know in grade school I'm, I'm trying to think of what you know kind of thing i want to do so i'm thinking oh should, should be an architect should I be a fashion right. designer what you know what you know, what kind of careers can you do with this thing and so um you know it never really uh and i still don't <laughs> you know do it as a career it's still something that i that i do because I enjoy it. And, yeah. Yeah. It's um, well, I mean, it, and I mean, I, it's amazing how many comic books are produced and created as a side hustle, like mm -hmm. the, the volume of comic works and, you know, cause we can use covers or, or prints and whatever in, in that category. And it's, you know, it's this amazing thing where I think we, you know, we're in this age where we, you know, we can self-produce so much that it becomes that that cottage industry that you know other things have traditionally been cottage industries so um you don't have to make soap you can make comic books so it's right deal um but that's cool it's like so like what like like what books like kind of blew your like do you remember kind of blowing your mind um and exciting you um or stories i the, the first 
comic I can ever remember owning, just that my mom bought me off the newsstand, uh, was a copy of Marvel Super Action, which is a reprint series. Yep. And it was reprinting a Steranko Captain America. Okay. And there were only just a couple of those, you know, but man, really, really heavy stuff. Yeah. Amazing, amazing things. And, you know, my mind at that time really could not handle the scope of it. You know, I, sure. it, it, it was really impressive. Um, and so that, that sort of, you know, was the spark that lit it all off, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I was a big fan of uh, Frank Miller's Daredevil series. Okay. Yeah. Um, I started, I started reading that right after they killed off Electra. Okay. Uh, so I didn't get in on the whole initial Electra thing, but um, you know I was reading the Miller stuff after that and just loving every minute of it. Um, love Frank's. You know, I, I again I never really studied the whole you know phenomenon of creating comics and of storytelling and stuff. So I didn't really have any words to describe why that stuff worked for me, but it worked. Yeah. Um, and so that really kind of established how I think about making comics about storytelling um, without me even knowing it. Uh, I was also a big fan of uh, Burns' Fantastic Four. Yeah. And uh, initially, and eventually I discovered Arthur Adams and got way into, uh, everybody likes Arthur Adams, right? Yeah, like, I mean, I, I was a uh, sophomore or junior in high school when arts, arts art hit the market, you know? Mm -hmm. And I remember... Yeah, I think Longshot came out like sophomore, junior year of high school. And yeah. it was this just, it, I couldn't believe it because like for me, like I love superheroes. Like I was like, oh, I love superheroes. You know, that was all my favorite stuff. But the comic books that stood out for me in like, in, once again, I you know, I read, I was there for the whole Daredevil thing. I was, you know, the Thor thing, the, the X-Men with Burn. And, you know, so I read all that stuff as it happened and I loved it to death, but like, I was always like hooked on like the Micronauts from the first run of the Micronauts. And I nice. kept buying the Micronauts all the way through all the bad years, you yeah, know? Yeah. And and they were still exciting and fun to me, but what I was doing is I was just hoping for the, a little bit of the magic from those first 12 to 15 issues or whatever it was. Yeah, get that Michael Golden stuff back here. Yeah, and it was this thing. And then, you know, Arthur come on came on the scene with Anne's story, and I'm like, this isn't straight-up comic books. It's another, like, it's an adventure. And it because neither one of them were like taking a thing that you already knew and, and just telling a new story with that. They were like, hey, here's a whole new thing that you didn't know about. Yeah. And it was so like, what, how? And so when Longshot hit, it was this great thing. And then of course, then we, then Marvel gave Arthur all the, you know, hand, you know, access to the Legos. And then he does all the X-Men and, you know, all that, those amazing annuals. And weird yeah, the annual 10 was the one that, uh, that, that really just blew me away with the big mojo uh, X-Babies yeah. thing. And, and, and sure. yeah, that just, I was floored by that one. Yeah. No, it was it was it was really some unbelievable stuff and and that uh Asgard crossover stuff that you know it was just it was you know it was a it was a fun time for sure. It was it was good times for comics, yes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, okay, that's cool. I mean, it's cool to see that like, you know, and it's funny because like you know, so I so I I I got hip to you because of uh uh Jamie Jones. 
um, who I was hanging out with him. Jamie's been on the sh uh, on the podcast a few times, more than yeah. a few times, and and he, you know, so Jamie's just you know, you know, loves you know artwork, and so he's like, oh, you got to see the stuff I got, and then he goes check this out, and he holds up something, you know, a piece of yours. And I'm like, holy crap, like, who is this? You know, and like, so he told me where you were. And like, I, I made a beeline over to you. And I'm like, you need to come on the show. And you're like, I do. And so um, you were very polite to not, you know, hit me with something and tell me to run away. Oh, man, that, that's super nice. Of you. Yeah, I, I had never, uh, I, that's the first time I had met Jamie. And uh, Ed, he's, he's an outrageously talented guy, too. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's, 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 you know, he's just a great, he's, he's sort of like a, you know, it's good to have those kind of personalities in the comic industry, you know, like these very comfortable and, you know, affable individuals all around. So, absolutely. Um, so, okay, so cool. So, I mean, I'm, I'm getting a, a, you know, getting a picture of your, your jam. Um, now, like, were you like, I didn't like. I, I did not sit and like make a lot of my own comic books. I made. I did a few, maybe mm -hmm. like near the end of high school, um, because the concept of kind of like writing it and drawing it and putting the words down was all very, you know, big. Um, did you like? Did you do that kind of stuff, or did you just kind of like do your own drawings and just draw stuff? I I I did a lot. I didn't really write much of anything i've never really written much of anything yeah. um i did a lot of drawings all through high school i did a lot of drawings and i did all my you know my marvel submissions that i wanted to send in and all that stuff and uh you, you know and, and just starting out at art school i was still doing that stuff and um yeah i just started to realize that it just didn't fit the way that that i work okay uh and it's just not something i was cut out for i don't think so um and that was about the time i discovered uh arkham asylum mm -hmm. and uh and that was that was the paradigm shift for me yeah. i think in in kind of making getting that synergy between comics and art yeah uh because you had you know, all the, all, you know, you had all your Arthur Adams stuff and that was, that was fine. That was all good and fine. And I still enjoy that stuff. But then when you see Arkham Asylum, you see what Dave McKean is, is, is cranking out. Yeah. And that stuff really kind of uh, crystallized the whole thing in my head about, I can make comics and I can do this, you know, on my terms. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't have to do house style and, it doesn't have to be comic booky. It, it it can be it can be art. Yep. You know, not to not to discredit. No, it, no, no. Know, comics in general. No, it's but uh, yeah, that 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 that's really that 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 helped me to turn a corner. I think. Okay. Did, I mean, did you feel? I mean, did you feel confined or constrained, or when you were trying to make something look like what you felt that they were, what, what comics were, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I, I guess I kind of felt like I was chasing something that I was never going to catch. Okay. Uh, it, you know, some, some people got it. Some people don't. I'm on a different path. I think. So yeah. I help me discover that fact. 
Yeah, it's you know it's it's interesting when you you know when you say something about the you know that sort of being on on your you know recognizing your own path, um, because like it's 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 not like you know it's it's strange like I don't know like how sensitive to my own sort of what I wanted to do this was there for me when I was young. I think I might have been very focused on like I want to draw the comic book characters I love you know that was yeah. sort of like so that was the sort of predominant kind of choice I was making so the all the hard work went into does this look like a comic book page <laughs> you know yeah. like and that was like that was a kind of a big motivator and it's interesting because I can I can remember times when people would look at things that weren't comic book stuff like they were things from a sketchbook or other pieces and people who I respect you know immensely were like hey what's this this is really interesting and I would go oh yeah da, 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 da. and you know and then but I'm thinking like yeah but look at this comic book page thing you know <laughs> it was. so like I couldn't like it, it was interesting that I didn't have that sort of like at the time to go like oh if maybe if I try to like chase that that might be the thing that more people go like oh well that's unique and special in you versus yeah that looks like a good comic page. Well done, you know. <laughs> so, yep, yep. You absolutely, uh, yeah. You, you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. So I mean, and I, I mean, the reason I bring it up is that, like, you know, if someone's young and trying to figure out what they, you know, the difference between wanting to do you know, the thing that they think that they want to do, but the thing that they might need to do, like sometimes you you need to kind of listen and yeah. kind of be more you know because other like rarely are people giving you advice to harm you <laughs> they're giving you advice to help you so sure um so so you i mean but what was like so you went off to art school but like like did you like were you like what were you focusing on what were you thinking like what was the what was the what was the vision in your head of like what am i going to do with this time that i'm going off to art school and what's the result of this yeah i i um Initially, you know, I wasn't entirely sure you had where it was going to lead to. And I guess that's what foundation year is all about. That that mm -hmm. first year, everybody takes the same classes. Yep. You get a taste of all of it. And then in your second year, you need to figure out what your major is going to be. So um, uh, I, I came in a kind of a weird spot because I went to a um, university down in Portsmouth. Um, for two years out of high school, got an associate degree in just general art, artistic studies. Right. Uh, so, you know, ceramics, drawing, painting, all that stuff. Got my associate degree, took all of those English classes and math classes and sociology classes and all that jazz. So by the time I transferred over into art school, I didn't have to deal with any of that stuff. I didn't have yeah. to pay art school prices for all those things. Um, so I was in first year and second year at the same time, because I had a lot of sophomore classes in addition to some of the foundation classes that I didn't get transfer credit for. Um, but I was pretty sure that I wanted to kind of make an illustration focus. Okay. Um, Cause that's something I thought, you know, I could kind of parlay that into the comic book thing if I want to, or I could do the editorial thing if I wanted to or whatever. So there's, there's a lot of options in the illustration front. And I didn't think I had enough to say to really go into fine art. And 
advertising seemed a little sterile to me. And so, you know, illustration seemed to fit what I was doing best of all. So that's what my major ended up being. And um, I had a few really good um, instructors. Uh, one guy in particular was uh, worked in a style that was kind of similar to my own and being kind of a, a pen and ink, kind of a detailed pen and ink style. Yeah. Um, and so he, uh, you know, he could see what I was doing and, and, and where I wanted to go with it. And he was very encouraging and very helpful and, uh, you know, very critical sometimes, but you know, mm -hmm. that's what, that's what we need. So, um, it, it, it was a good place to be at that time. I think he was, he was a good guy to have in my corner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it it is great, man. I mean, nothing feels better when you're young and trying to, you know, figure it out when there when an instructor, teacher, whomever is, really says like, oh, you're doing like they they've got they can figure you out and they can sort of just put those breadcrumbs right in front of you to like lead you to that next sort of, you know, level like. There was, I, I'm sure it was a drawing instructor, but I, I have this practice of, um, you know, constantly switching my tools out because I will, I'll plateau. So I'm like, I need to like get a new tool in my hand. And I'm yeah. sure like it was one of those things where I was doing a horrible version of whatever the model was posing. And so the, the instructor was like, hey, try this, you know, just reach into my box, pull something out. And, you know, and I'm like, you know, probably, and it was probably like vine charcoal, my most hated thing in the world. Right. Or you know, and I was like, ah, oh, okay. But what it did is it, you know, it forced me to kind of re, you know, map my brain and figure out how to solve that sort of visual yeah, problem. Yeah, you have a little mental reboot. Yeah, it's super, super important. And then, you know, and the thing is, is it works in so many aspects because you can maybe you're you're doing all right drawing or or writing or whatever the thing that you do, but like change your location, change the material you're working on, change the thing you're doing, you know, and you will you it'll it'll always make you better. Yeah. Um, so did you, I mean, like, so you armed yourself with a good portfolio and did you just head, you know, and how did you, how did you like set out, like saying, okay, I'm graduating and now what do I do? Like, like, I mean, what's the, uh, cause like in New York city, it's like, you know, we, that's where I went to art school. It's a little, it feels a little safer in some mm -hmm. weird way that you're like, of course I'm going to get work. It's New York city. There's a million things here. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, well, <laughs> you know, I guess I, I, while I was going to, to art school, I was mm -hmm. working full time as well. And, okay. uh, so I just kind of stayed with that. I was actually working in a comic book shop at the time. Oh, okay. Um, really, really good comic book shop in, uh, in central Ohio that's now no longer with us, but we won an Eisner and all that stuff. So uh, we were doing good work and we had regular um, conversations with reps from uh, publishers. You know, we had our DC Comics rep calling us once a week. So I got to talk to these people and I, I made a lot of good industry connections. Oh, okay. Uh, through that job, we had a lot of people in. Uh, Brian Bendis lived in Cleveland at the time. So oh. he was in and out of the store occasionally. Uh, we would have him in to do signings and he'd stop by from time to time. So I got to hang out with Bendis and uh david mack was in cincinnati so he was just down the road too um columbus is a good place for comics um we've got a lot of uh, of really talented people right here in town jeff smith uh lives in town here okay. yeah. uh, chris sprouse is in is here daryl bang right. 
Um, So, you know, it's a good community. So I made a lot of really good connections uh, during the time I was working at the comic shop, went out of business in 98. And um, so shortly after that, one of the guys that I knew from the comic shop was working for a children's publisher and he was able to get me in there doing uh, graphic design work. And so I've been doing that kind of primarily ever since. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, let, uh, kind of marketing art and stuff. It's not terribly nice, but uh, it's a living. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, I, I mean, I, I, you know, my graphic design business is my, that's what pays the bills and, you know, yeah, absolutely. And that's how, that's how I do it. And, you know, I take pride in doing good work for it, but it's not what I wake up in the morning going, can't wait to do this. You know, it's, yeah. it's the yeah. other stuff. You get it. You totally get it. And that allows me, I think, uh, you know, comics work is laborious. Uh, <laughs> yes. It's, it's outrageous. And, and it, it, it's not, holy cow. If, if comic book artists charged by the hour, like, you know, freelance illustrators do. Right. Nobody could, could afford to make a comic. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's kind of something that if if you're going to do it for a living, you got to take what you can get. Yeah. Uh, but if, if you don't want to just do whatever job is there, you can't make a living at it. And so that's, I, I'm, I'm at peace with that. Yeah. You know, I take jobs that, that I want to do that are interesting to me mm-hmm. that I feel like I can really contribute to. Um, and, and, and it's, it's a rewarding, you know, thing. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, it's like, I mean, if you do what you want to do versus what you have to do in the world, you're going, you're going to arguably be a happier person. And then yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what, what, I mean, like how did, like, how did, how did getting, I guess like the your first sort of work in whatever form of comic books it was mm-hmm. happened for you and like what was your mind like what was your f- mindset with that whole time um you know i yeah I, I i was always you know like i said i was always doing doing my little my little five page x-men stories that i'm gonna mail in and, and, sure. and that's my submission and all that stuff and and i did that for a while and it's just so annoying and so at some point kind of the switch went off in my brain. And I was like, you know, I'm going to make a, I'm going to write it my own story. I'm just going to do a thing. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to create a thing. I'm going to write this thing. I'm going to draw this thing. I'm going to letter it. It's going to be a complete story. Page one to page, whatever. Yeah. Um, ended up being uh, five pages and um, through it, it, it was when I was working at the comic shop and we had, um, we had Joe uh, Pruitt from Caliber uh, in oh, wow. one of our store signings. And he was the editor of Negative Burn at the time. And uh, he saw it. He liked it. He wanted to run it in Negative Burn. So we ran it in Negative Burn. And that was that. You know, I mean, it was the first thing that I had written and illustrated myself. And there it is. And Okay. So, like, I mean, let's look for, like, so what was, like, do, I mean, do you remember, like, what was running through your mind when that sort of kind of, happened i mean was this a was it shock like what was happening in your mind i no i don't think it was it was shock really it was just it was more of a relief than anything to say that hey this actually somebody likes it (laughs) cool 
you know, this, this works, I can do this, you know, it was very yeah. validating. Oh, that's so, that's so, that's so cool. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's, you know, it's, well, I mean, like what, I mean, to, to sort of like stop yourself from doing the thing that you thought that you needed to do to make, make comic books mm-hmm. and said, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to do my thing. Um, because at that point you're not saying like, I need to get this so I can eat tomorrow. Like I need to, just, I just need to do it because it's what I what I need to do. Yeah. So you do it and then you're validated, you know, by the, by this engagement with this person who is right. like, yeah, this is, this is, this is absolutely worth publishing. Yeah. Yeah. That's that, that's so, so what, I mean, what is, so what do you do after that? Like you, you, you get it done and you're like, okay, more like, oh, what is well, and, and yeah, that that was the nice thing about um, Caliber. Caliber was really good to me. Um, yeah. They were in Michigan, which was, you know, right next door. Yep. Um, but uh, after I ran that, I got that, this is the story in with Joe. Uh, of course, Gary Reed was the publisher at Caliber at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole time, I guess, Gary Reed is Mr. Caliber. But Gary, Gary really kind of, he, I was on Gary's wavelength, I think. Okay. And, uh, and so he really didn't waste any time. He got a hold of me and he's got, he had this big project that he'd been sitting on for a long time, waiting for somebody for to come guy. along that could draw this thing for him. And he thought I was going to be the guy. Oh, okay. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little drunk on all this anyway. So I'm like, sure. Yeah not really realizing what I was in for because this is, uh, you know, and it ended up being this 130 page, you know, basically graphic novel. And I had never, ever even thought about anything that large before, you know, and that is a tremendous undertaking and being the novice that I was, I really had underestimated what a gargantuan, uh, task that was going to be to get through. Um, but I'm the kind of person that has to finish, you know. Yeah. Okay. I want to get into something, and I, I give my word. I've, I've, I'm, I got to be accountable. Well, that's so. I, 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 I want to carry on with this, but that's like it's so important in that respect because, you know, I was sitting here thinking like the thing that popped in my head is like, well, that's why you're sitting here talking with me, and not that talking with me is the big special thing that in your life. But what, what, what I'm saying is, is that like the highway of creativity is, you know, littered with abandoned things. Oh, sure. And, and it's not to say that every successful person, you know, never abandoned something. But the thing is, is like, the only way you're going to get that success is to, is to get through it. You have to get through it, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, And you can be really sort of prescient and say, okay, well, if my goal is to do this, whatever that long-term goal is, and like, if I have a 130 page graphic novel, I can go get work doing almost anything because I'm showing that I can do this volume of work. Now sure. that's, 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 and like, and Adam Gorham um, did exactly that. He did like a 120 page graphic novel. It's his first thing. And yeah. really, and, and basically he made it, he made his own ticket. He's like, what, you know, who else wants to have some great work? So like, that's a huge thing, but like the, like, and you're telling the story and you're good at it because I was like, Oh no, like, did he get, did he bail? Did he stop? You know? And you're like, Nope, I grunt, you know, went through. So, so like, 
fighting your way through is super, super important. And like, it's, you know, and it's great the way you express that. Um, so, okay. So you're doing this thing and I'm sure you're feeling buried while you're, you're, <laughs> you're working on it. I was feeling pretty buried. Yeah. It was right. Uh, it was just maybe a year after I just got married and, uh, you know, I was living in this small apartment and, uh, and I'm just every day I'm in there just cranking away at this thing, trying to get it done. And it, and, and it was not, it, it was not a very comic booky kind of story. Um, it was called ghost Sonata. And it was, uh, this story based on a play by August Strindberg. And it was, uh, it was cerebral and, and, uh, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't really know how to describe it, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was not something that you would imagine would make a good comic. Right. Um, but again, being new to this, I had no idea. So I just made it work. You know, I made it my own and, mm -hmm. uh, and we pushed on through that sucker and and it and it and it came out so you can still buy it today it's available now well that, I, so like how i mean like i mean okay, so so you absorbed you absorbed frank miller you absorbed arthur adams you absorbed the you know john Byrne, you know the king the king, the modern king of comic books you yeah, know yeah yeah like you absorbed their 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 artwork and storytelling like and that like that must have been your like you know, sort of like basic algebra in your head of like, okay, well, here's what I need to do. Like, and how did you face something that didn't have sort of like a kinetic solution? You know, like this is yeah. storytelling, but not like action storytelling. Well, by that time, I had also, uh, you know, Dave McKean had come out with Cages. Okay. And, yep. uh, and, and, that was another like serious paradigm shift for me and in cages being just how expressive and loose that that art style was mm -hmm. um and so i kind of adapted a little more um i don't know a little idiosyncratic kind of art style for it uh but i was still really focused on you know like a frank miller a Steranko kind of storytelling yeah. Uh, and for me, for me, when I set these things up, the storytelling part is the most laborious, time consuming, uh, you know, mentally exhausting part of the process to get those, those panel layouts to work. Uh, and then once that's done, drawing its fun part. Yeah. Well, I mean, at looking at your, your work, I mean, like, you know, being that pen, you know, ink artist, I mean, like, if you didn't like drawing, then you picked the wrong art style. Sure. Yes, exactly. You know? so, um, so, yeah, so I can see, I can see that because it's so, it's so funny because for, for, for me, a lot of it was if I could have stopped right after like roughing in the page. Mm -hmm. like getting everything locked in the way it needs to be on the storytelling level and the actual structure of all the pieces and all the you know figures and everything i i would be i would be fine hand, it would have been fine handing it off to someone just to finish that you know yeah. the rendering and all that stuff because it was just to me i'm like oh i gotta draw it again you know that was oh, sort of no. yeah the finishing is the fun part and and yeah. uh so much so that i don't I don't pencil really 
yeah, my, okay. my pencil work is super minimal uh, because so much of the the way that my images look are accomplished in the ink technique. Yeah. And no, so sure. it's not the kind of thing that I can simulate in pencil. I just kind of really roughly carve this stuff out and yep. uh, and when I'm able to go to work with the brush and the pen, that's that's when it all starts to work for me. Totally. No, no, I, I can absolutely see that looking at looking at the, you know, looking at the art. I mean, there is this. Yeah, because I mean, it would it would get muddy quickly if you had to pencil it like that and then they yeah. got top of that and then try to erase it. So, yeah. And a lot of the ink work even is is still just experimenting on the fly, too, you know, because I don't yeah. know. I don't know how this is going to look, but it's got a light and it's got dark. So we'll make it work. So Yeah. Like, I mean, this like this. I mean, this is a great example of like allowing like the paper, you know, to just become the light source so like in the light source yes in the most beautiful of ways so it's it's gorgeous Thank um you. so i i mean like so now what you're, you're let's say you know you're done you've got this you've got this graphic novel like what is your what is your like what's your like okay now what do i do like are you thinking of like do i want to become a graphic novelist i mean what is your sort of self-talk yeah i and, and again I, I like i said before i don't I'm not an idea person. I don't. Uh -huh. I don't have that story bottled up inside of me that I got to get out, uh, like so many people do. And they're you know, like all these people that have got these original characters that they want to do things with. Nah, not not right. me. I am perfectly happy, especially after the experience that I had with Gary uh, doing Ghost Sonata uh, and getting the scripts in from Gary and sitting down and interpreting that. That mm -hmm. that kind of uh, that worked for me. Cool. You know, letting somebody else, you know, get those big arcs in place and get those ideas down. And and then I give it visuals. And so yeah. that's the way pretty much all of the comics work that I've done since then has been like that. Uh, you know, I'll occasionally knock out a five page script or something myself right. for some kind of anthology book or whatever. So, you know, I, I, I'll write, but only in very short subjects. I've never had really any desire to write something big and epic and sweeping right well you know and it's i mean i mean maybe because i mean when you were saying about doing the page that the you know the big fight and struggle happens with you know the layout the storytelling that kind of aspect of making that work and then the the fun begins you know which yeah. becomes the actual you know drawing so i would only kind of gather that writing which is another which is now two steps away from the actual like rendering and drawing aspect of it is it might might even be a greater wrestling match for you to say I like imagine so yeah yeah like i can i can kind of see how that 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 would come to you know fruition and listen you know how many amazing comic books are done you know written by one person and illustrated by another i mean that's that, sure yeah. So, I mean, like it's, it's, it, it's a system that works for a reason. So, yeah. it, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm not saying, you know, ditch, ditch your, ditch your drawing tools and start writing son. But uh, I would say like, just pick the thing that makes you mad and feel like you're, you got a magic wand in your hand. Yeah. Um, so like, how did like, I mean, like, so you're in this sort of like mini hotbed of comic books of, you know, of central ish uh, Ohio and uh, like, did you like start seeing like i'm going to go to did you start going to conventions like at the time or 
Uh, yeah, I that was again right around '95. I started going because we had uh, Mid Ohio Con in uh, yeah, sure in Columbus at that time. That's no longer around, but uh, that was um, I think the first convention I went to maybe was apart from a little you know one day hotel shows in town was the Chicago uh, Comic Con in '92. Okay, wow, and that was when DC was there launching Vertigo. And so Neil Gaiman was there and Garth Ennis was there. And, you know, I got to meet Ted McKeever and Axel Alonso and yeah. all these, all these cool, cool people who A young Axel Alonso. Yeah. Who were doing all this great stuff. And, uh, and, and I made a lot of good connections that year too. So, um, you know, we, we drive out to Chicago to Rosemont every year to, to, to check that out. Yeah. And then 95, I think, was the first Mid Ohio Con that I went to. And, and then in 96, I ended up, you know, at, that was after I'd already started working at Caliber. So I was able to get my own table that time. So that was a big deal. Get yeah. on the other side of the table at a Comic Con, especially your big home convention. So, um, and so that was about the same time. Um, uh, Jim Pruitt, who, who was an editor at Caliber, um, invited me up to Motor City Con. Mm. in Detroit and uh you know let me sleep in his house and all that stuff so that was super cool and he had uh, Michael Gatos was there uh that weekend too and he was staying in the house with us so I got to meet Michael and uh oh gosh uh so many people working at Caliber at that time it was it was a very cool place to be and going to Motor City was awesome and they did yeah. two conventions a year and I and Caliber brought me in for that and at that time, DC and Marvel used to have publisher booths at Motor City Con. It was, it was a, I mean, the 90s were an, it really, really interesting time um, it, for conventions that, you know, they're not like that anymore. Like, they, no, absolutely Marvel, not. No, Marvel, you got like New York and, and San Diego are one thing. Yeah. And then everything else is entirely different. So. They're all, they're all self supported outside of New York and San Diego. Like, they're, yeah. it, you know, those are the only two that like really the, the you know, Marvel and DCs pay attention to, but I think like in the nineties, it was sort of like, you know, you know, the U S and the Soviet union kind of thing of like, you know, they were just like, Oh wait, DC is going to go. Okay. We're going to have to have a setup there. Oh, Marvel's going to be there. Okay. Well, we're going to yeah. have, have a bigger set. And it was just this battle um, <laughs> on the floors. Yeah. It was so cool. Uh, at the time I was I was working at the comic book shop and so our DC rep that would call us every week was there working the booth and so she kind of got me into dinner with uh, James Robinson and uh, uh, John McRae and Steve Lieber and all these people who were you know working at DC at the time and it, mm -hmm. it was it was a really cool thing to be a part of that is really it is really cool I mean it, it like I mean you know, I got I got out of the business of, of comics, you know, 22 years ago, I guess. And uh, but it's like it is. I mean, the thing that I miss the most. It, I mean, maybe the feeling of of, of sort of finishing a, a, you know, a piece is always is a great feeling. But it was the people like I just so many amazing, wonderful people who just are all passionate about the same ridiculous, you know, stapled object. But we are. <laughs> we're all like really into it. And, you know, and then now it's like this great thing because it's like, everyone's still so passionate about this thing, but now it's not just what's being published by these two, two major companies. It's, 
so many things and so many subjects and which it's beautiful. Yeah. It's it's the best. So yeah, and that's a, so I mean unlike, unlike now, conventions also had lots of editors in them. Like the editors went to these shows because they were they were talent seeking because there was no internet, you know. Like, yeah, they were recruiting, right? Yeah, so, I mean, it was it was it was the most amazing time because you could make a you know, sort of friendship relationship with another artist or writer on the floor, and then like, well, you need to come and meet my editor, and then next thing you know, you're having this you know brief distracted conversation with, uh, with an editor who was like, oh, this is really cool, you know. Here's my card. Give me a call, and we'll 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 talk some more. That kind yep. of thing. And yep. um, you know, and I, I I don't I don't get the sense that it operates that way anymore. In that respect, I'm sure it does happen, and I and I hope it does for more than less. But um, did, was that an experience that you had? Like, did you get that sort of cross pollination at a show to meet someone and get some work? Yeah, I mean that's. Yeah, that that was the whole that was the whole point in the in you know the early '90s when I was still in art school. You walk around with your big portfolio and you yep. see who's doing art, who's doing art reviews, who what editors are here. Yep. Yeah, I, I talked to a lot of people, had a lot of portfolio reviews, got a lot of good feedback. Yeah, no, that it, it, it's great. And um, and how did it, I mean? How did it feel for you? Um, once you got on the other side of the table, did you? Did you like, did you put your, like your flag up, you know, saying, Hey, I'll do reviews right away. Or did you like, or were you surprised, shocked at when someone sort of stumbled up to you and, and sheepishly asked if that you would look at their work? Yeah, absolutely. I still don't like doing reviews. I don't really, feel, I, 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 I've, I still have that imposter syndrome about it. Okay. That's interesting. Now, it, yeah. We, I was talking about the imposter syndrome thing and it's, it's, it's really kind of remarkable um, you know, I was, I was in, in the comic book industry as a, as a professional for 10 years. So let's just say, and never did, you know, and, and never achieved where I wanted to achieve in the industry. Um, but never felt like an imposter yeah. because I had, I had a piece of paper from, you know, the school of visual arts that says I can draw comic books. Right. Um, now for 22 years, I've been, you know, a, you know, a, a graphic designer and an art director for like some really major companies around the world. And I have a complete imposter syndrome about the whole thing because I don't have a piece of paper. It's stupid. You know, it's dumb. Um, the things our brains do to us. Oh, it's, it's ridiculous. But the funny thing is, you know, so you have the imposter syndrome, like what was, what, what do you feel as a source? Or what did you feel as a source of that, that sort of sense for you? Because you had an art degree in art, you had done comic book work. Some somebody said, "Sit at this table because we would like you to sit here." So, like all those boxes have been checked. Yeah. What was it for you that said? Mm. <laughs> I, I I don't know. It's hard to say. It's I, and I don't know that I can point to any, you know, one thing in particular. Yeah. Not that it's just kind of a, a you know a lifelong you know, mindset that uh, there are people doing this that are a lot better at it than I am. And so <laughs> yeah. why am I here? Sure. No, I, it, yeah. Cause I mean, I mean, I guess the reason I, I, the reason I ask is I think it's just that like everyone faces it, like everybody faces. It. I mean, maybe there's a fair, the rare few who don't, but I've done, I would assume that they're probably narcissists or. <laughs> but, but they're Jim Steranko, right? 
Well, yeah, right, exactly. Or or just so so amazing at what they can do that there's no question that they can't do whatever it is. Right. Um, but it's like, but it's a thing. And like, you know, we, you know, because of like, you know, that, that, you know, the guts it takes to walk up to somebody when you have a portfolio in your hand to say, hey, would you take a look at my artwork? That's a huge, like, bridge to cut cross for many, many people. Um, and that sensibility, like, so, you know, so the reason I bring it up is that, like, everyone's fighting that that imposter syndrome in some fashion like you know i don't even know like i don't even know if i should you know should i show my work should i talk you know like that kind of thing and you know often you know we're fortunate to have people around us who are like no no no, go talk to that person or that they trick you into it or they do it you know, or they set it up for you whatever it is but next thing you know you're doing the thing and it's you know, it's like jumping off it's like jumping off the you know like the bridge or the the little cliff into the water like it's the the most horrifying idea in your head then you do it and the, the first thing you want to do is run back up and do the jumping do it again yes yeah so like that's that's kind of how that works unless you get torn apart and then you're like right. you run away so seen that happen yeah it, it does happen you know <clears throat> you know um so like How did like so like I mean so you've <clears throat> I mean you've sort of like designed your creative outwork output around you know the the frame of you know you've got a regular thing going so you don't have to like struggle to say ah I need that um, so how does that like factor into your selection process because it does afford you a lot of latitude right yeah uh, you know. The, the, the thing the thing about being you know a, a comics artist you, there's no there's always somebody looking for a comics artist yeah and uh, yes they're always hey you know i've got this uh, idea for a graphic you know yeah 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 but it's just like you know they, they they're, there's writers everywhere and everybody's got something that they want to that they want to get out there and so sure. i get i get contacted a lot um yeah about stuff and uh so it's you know and, and, and again since since this is since this isn't my my primary source of income it's something that i can say you know i don't think i want to devote six months eight months a year or more right. to, of yeah. my life to doing just this you know it's it's got to be something that uh you know is, is fulfilling for me in some way yeah that's, you know, and that's, I mean, that's kind of, that's a really, I mean, it's so, it's an amazing luxury um, in, in so many ways, but the idea that you can, you can make those, those choices really like takes so much, like, or, or like I said, it lends so much to your creative process because you're going to be that much more engaged. Totally from this thing and it's not going to be coming from what might be a predictable source mm -hmm. you could certainly find like someone could just be randomly like do the hey well i got this idea for a graphic novel and rather than dismissing it since you don't have to like you're like well you don't have any money you're not going to pay me you know like you can go like well what is it you know and you can talk and next thing you know like you're like here this idea that just is you know oh wow this is something that could really be amazing sure um, yeah how long like Let's just say, like, like someone says, "Hey, I've got this 
20 page story, you know, you agree to do a 20 page story that you just love. Like how long does it take you to produce that artwork? Just so like, you know, on your regular schedule. I, you know, it, it I guess so three years ago, I would have said, you know, about a page a day worth, but since uh, this whole pandemic business came through and I work from home now instead of going to the office. Oh, wow. Um, my leisure art has really kind of taken a hit Okay. from that um, because, you know, in the past I would go to the office in the morning, I would do my job, I would get in the car and as I'm driving home, I'm thinking, okay, what do I need to work on this evening? You know, what kind of projects have I got on the desk tonight? And I get home, I get to my desk and I'm like, all right, let's do this. But, you know, now I'm at this desk already yeah. for eight, nine hours and I go at my dinner. And the last thing I want to do is go back in and sit down again. Right. To get the up the same spot and work some more. Uh, so, you know, it's it's been sort of a struggle to balance that while working from home so i don't produce as much as i used to so um you know i i can get in that that mindset with that that kind of get on a roll with it right and and i can crank out a page a day sometimes it but uh, you know i prefer to do maybe four to five pages in a week okay well i mean that's still a pretty good clip i mean that's not a that's nothing to sneeze at. I mean, the people take yeah. longer to do their work. Well, yeah, it's a momentum thing, you know. I kind of yeah. you, you have to keep that kind of pace if you're going to stay. Personally, I think if you're going to stay on it, stay in the groove. Yep. You need to keep that momentum going. A, yeah. work. I'm a momentum artist. <laughs> well, I think I, I mean I, I mean I think that's that's a creator thing. Period. I think I mean like, you know. You know, I, I I write prose predominantly, and if I'm writing every single day and I'm producing, you know, numbers every day, that number rarely goes down. It typically just keeps going up. Even if it's even if I'm like doing two thousand words a day, it's going to be, you know, two thousand five hundred, two thousand seven hundred, you know, seventy five. It's going to slowly, you know, grow. Mm -hmm. If you're looking at a larger graph, you know, there's going to be little ups and downs, but it's, I think it is that consistency because I think, you know, it's, you know, it's like anything, like if you don't do it every day, you're going to, you, your production, your level is going to decrease and your ability to do it. And that momentum, as you say, man, like if you get that going, man, you, yeah. you can be working. It's like that with anything, I guess, you know, going to the gym, whatever, you know, it's sure. all, it's all a matter of being in a groove. Do you, I mean, so like one of my, one of my tricks for, sort of working around what you're struggling with because I, I've, I, I know it. Like I've had like that. I remember struggling, like doing, like trying to do freelance stuff and doing my client design work at home years ago. And that was a really tough. And then, and then I worked in an office for years and I, and I really was happy when I finally left the office mm -hmm. and I was pretty darn good at my home office. Um, but I don't have a very like super dedicated home office currently. So what I do is I have a co-working space for writing that I go to in the mornings. Mm -hmm. So I go over there every Monday through Friday and I write and then I come home and then I do my, do my client design work. Yeah. Um, 
which has been is super helpful because I don't I don't come back here like I don't like I'm not like working at the same space thinking like oh now I gotta <laughs> think now the trouble is every time I turn on the email a client email will come in and I'm like oh you know <laughs> right but um it's it is it is super tough to, to to do that that balancing act when it's in the same space yep uh, any chance you can get back in the office <laughs> i i you know yeah our office is open now yeah our uh, creative services department is uh is just remote our, our our creative director decided that everybody was doing great remotely and so we're going to continue to be remote because you know, ninety percent of people in the office love that. Yep. Uh, I'm just kind of one of those rare exceptions that just does not work well that way. So I, I guess I am free to go into the office whenever I please. Yeah. But there's nobody there, and so it's, it's, it's just a little awkward and weird. So. Yeah, I think you know, and that's a, <clears throat> you know, it's interesting because like I know like I've I have some some good friends who are in the advertising industry. You know, and they were all sent home and they're all like dancing a jig because they're like, I don't have to go into the office. Right. And I remember talking with one of them. I'm like, you know, like there's going to be a point when the people who look at look at the the larger picture are going to realize that, like, there's a big loss happening. And the big loss is, especially with creative companies, the ability to have those you know, atomic collisions that need to happen for a new idea to happen. Yeah. So when these people are bumping into something and then they see something and they say, well, what if we did this? And then next thing you know, a new, the new thing happens. That doesn't really happen when people are 30, 40 miles apart, you know, mm -hmm. sitting in their PJs working sure. on laptops. So it's, so like and and like I know like he's like yeah they want us to come back to the offices I'm like well of course they do they like they want to like because their clients are going like hey like these campaigns aren't as zippy as they were two years ago like mm -hmm. it's a thing so um well man I, I yeah I I I totally sympathize I I can get that I get that sort of that same sameness and like don't want to be in that same spot just take another room over. And make a make a comic book studio room, and then have your your work room. Yeah, that's that 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 would be that would probably be helpful. Um, I mean, in a, in a pretty small house at the time, I don't have yeah. a lot of room to work with. So, well, there, you know, listen, this is why God created coffee shops, right? <laughs> it's true. That's true. You know, go there and do do the work you work there. I don't know, but I, yeah, I, I I get it. I get it it's 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 no fun andy i i wouldn't i wouldn't want to be uh in that 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 wrestling match i've i've been there it's no it's not a not a joyous thing so yep. um but back to the 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 pace that's that's a pretty decent pace to be like you know as your your cottage industry side hustle that's still a really good pace it's i think some of it has to do with just my attention span i can't devote that much time to something i get you know, I get tired of it, so I got to knock right. it out. Um, I know, but you work doesn't that relates to uh, to the whole business with Inktober and uh, yeah, and and that's those things. I, I those things I knock those out in like ninety minutes, and people are just flabbergasted by this. And I'm like, if I have to work on those things for more than ninety minutes, I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna do it. <clears throat> well, I yeah, I it, and 
they're rightfully flabbergasted. I mean, like these are fantastic. Um, <laughs> what gave you what gave you the sort of the inspiration to like say, hey, I'm gonna do like Muppets? Uh well, that was pretty late in you know in the game. I had already done four years worth of Inktober and 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 then kind of went on to this one. But the first year, um I just kind of fluked into Inktober. I just I was October 1st and I was doing a drawing just for the heck of it. And, um, and I'm, and I'm online and I see all these people posting this October stuff and I'm like, Oh yeah, it's October. I can, I, maybe I can do this thing. So, yeah. Oops. Uh, and so I started doing it and, and before I knew it, the end of October's over and I, and I did it, you know? And so that's, you know, like what we were talking about earlier, it's like, I'm commit to something. So I'm going to see this, I'm going to see this yep. thing through. So, um, and it was a good experience uh and having that accountability um of when you share this stuff every day and people start expecting it yep uh really keeps me on task uh and so i i it, it was pretty rewarding to get that out of my system for for a whole month and it was cool and and i enjoyed it so i did it again the next year um and so by the time i get to 2019 i'm like getting super analytical about this thing i'm like i'm a tour guy so i gotta do this right um so a lot of inktober boils down to you know keeping yourself interested yeah um, for a month you know because it's super easy to get burned out yes. and you see people do it all the time they'll do five days worth and then they disappear uh and that's it's not in my makeup to do that no. so I, I need to, I, yeah. I'm so I you. need to have a I need to have a subject that's going to keep me entertained for a, for a month, and something I can get good reference photos for, and something other people are going to enjoy. And so I don't even remember how I settled on my. I think that that year was the 50th anniversary of Sesame Street, so okay. and it was in the news. And uh, I'm a huge Henson devotee um yeah. i was you know i from as long as i can remember you know early as i can remember i was yeah. sesame street was my jam you know and i could read before i went to kindergarten because i watched sesame street relentlessly sure uh and so you know that's it, it's it's real deep in my soul you know so that's that's where you know i I put two and two together at that point and decided to give that one a shot. And that was, that was probably one of the biggest, you know, growth years in my career, really just getting through that thing and getting, getting that stuff out there and yeah. connecting with all of the, you know, fans and followers and stuff. It was, it was a cool experience. Well, I mean, there's 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 50 years of fandom, you know, tied to this thing, and it's not, a, and it's a it's a fandom that's tied deep into us because, you know, we were, you know, we're either really small children when we first engaged with this thing, and it's something that never spoke down to us, or it was that thing that you got to share with your family on Sunday night during the Muppet Show, right. which was really like that was a thing, like I like we would sit down and watch the Muppet Show, like. I can't believe adults sat with me watching this. Show. <laughs> they loved it too. So, yeah. um, and these, I mean, the, and these are, and they're wonderful. So like, so you said like, like 45 minutes of, of, you know, half hour to 45 minutes of work with these. 
I probably a, about an hour on yeah, average. Okay. Um, okay. Some of them go longer. Um, you know, I, there there are a few that would would hit maybe ninety minutes, maybe pushing yeah. two hours at the at the extreme end of it. Yeah, and are you are you throwing white ink on top of like like is that splatter of white ink there? And, yep. And the swirlies, like you're throwing the white ink on top of the black. That's yep cool. with the white pens and uh, and a little yep. bit of the white uh, yeah white splatter. Yeah. Yeah, it's really it's really it's really it's beautiful and like and, and it's just yeah I mean nice nice touch with your just your your shading. It's, it's tasteful um, and, the, and the stuff really working like that on a daily basis using that same technique yeah you know, for that for that amount of time it, it really kind of uh it really helps you develop uh i, I don't know a, i don't want to say a style but you know you, you kind of get your uh you're refining this you're refining that thinking process of like how like like how do i tell this same visual sort of solution like you know with the different characters and you're just working your way through you know the cast and then have you know and saying okay well it's going to be so okay here's here's what i'm going to do and how do i apply it because it's great i love the hair <laughs> those guys are so, they're so good they're such great characters um they're they're yeah God, grover so cool it's so cool but yeah, it's fun. I, I, I start, um, you know, some of these like that one are, are a little maybe overworked. I feel like uh, I always want to go in these things with to these things with um, equal parts, like crusty detailed stuff and super loose brushy stuff. And that, that right. kind of juxtaposition of the two. Yeah. And I, I have this innate tendency to get too tight with it, to get too detailed with it. And so I always have to kind of pull myself out a little bit. Right. Um, I, think, I mean, like, I feel like, like, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, can, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're, you're but like, I mean, the, I think you got the brushiness going. I think this one has a nice balance with the heavy that, brush. That is one of the more well-balanced pieces. Yeah. Right there. That one, that one really kind of works. The uh, mid lighting is good. Like it's, it's, and it's, but it's not like, it's like it's it's like a little impressionistic you know the way like with the with the that with the rendering of there it's not so like it has to be the whole entire thing and yeah it's got your, yeah yeah and i and i really like the positive negative you know space interplay yep. with that too so and that's something and like, i try to get into all of my drawings some to you know more successfully than others but right well if it was successful every time, then like, wh wh where would the struggle be, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, what well, I mean, so what is like, yeah, I mean, so you find that you find the image that you're interested in and, and you just kind of block out your shapes, I guess, lightly with a pencil, say, okay, that's what it's going to be. Mm -hmm. And now I know, like, I have, you have a footprint. So, what, like, what tools are you s starting off with? Like, say, for Big, big Bird here. Yeah. I normally, I think I would. I, I use a quill. Um, okay. You know, so many people use those micron pens that I just cannot hack. Uh, so I use a crow quill, and that's where I'll start in and just get kind of your basic line drawing underway uh, with that. And then that's where the cross hatching comes in on top of that. And the the brush pen comes in later, okay. just to get the big shapes in there to kind of set that all up. Yeah. Like so, I mean, because. 
you know, because you're doing the sort of this sort of containment field with the, with the brush, the brushwork, like it's, it's interesting. Like, how do you, how do you, did you find the challenge in your mind going, okay, where do I not put a line down? Cause I'm oh, every have, time. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I mean, like, so that you really had to really kind of have a sort of a, a fixed image in your head of where you wanted that to kind of go. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, but you know, it's, the shape too, just that kind of vignette yeah. edge to everything. Um, and the way that that brush breaks, breaks up a little bit, yep. you know, I love that stuff. And that's something that I kind of get from way back to like cages, looking at cages from McKean mm -hmm. and how he had the line work and the brush work and, uh, you know, we, I aspire to that. I'll never reach that. But I think in, in the process of trying to reach that is where I find myself. So, right. I'm sure he'd probably look at this and go, oh, cool. So don't <laughs> worry. Thank you. I think you think you're 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 slinging the the ink back, too. Um, yeah, I love I actually love how the uh, the loose brush work with the, the sort of the head feathers of Big Bird are kind of like it gets it gets nice and sort of like which is which, which is kind of nice. It's yeah. just kind of. It's be, it's really cool. Thanks. So, yeah, no, it's 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 cool stuff. And then you have you have all these like really wonderful like rock and roll pieces, which I yeah I yeah oh, man, that's such fun stuff. I uh, there's a a publisher here in Columbus called Mix Comics, and they're sort of a real uh, kind of rebel um, independent publisher, uh, mm -hmm. and they do a lot of very rock and roll inspired. Uh, th their whole jam is rock and roll and horror. Okay. And so everything they publish kind of has those elements. Um, and the uh, Ramones piece there was a splash page from one of the comics I did for those guys. Um, uh, there's a fella who lives here in Columbus named Bella Co uh, Crompecker, who is a, um, used to be a record store clerk, you know, roused about back in the 90s. Okay. Uh, and he eventually started his own record label. It's just still around now called Anyway Records. And um, he's got a blog that he talks about all of his 90s, um, you know, music and life situations, you know, and it's mm -hmm. sort of a brain dump. And the guy is brilliant. He's got a million and one stories. Yeah. And uh the publisher at Nix uh, discovered this stuff and he had talked to Bela about kind of synergizing some of these blog posts into kind of a, a, a linear story. Okay. Uh, and uh, he, he had uh, s several different artists that he ran by the guy to see, you know, who he'd like to work with on these things. And he saw my stuff and liked it and wanted to work with me. And so we did three uh, different comics based on Bella's writings. Uh, this this was the first one, right. which was kind of about Bella and his buddy working in the record store uh, that was in Short North in Columbus. Um, and it, it, it was just a few doors down from Newport Music Hall, which is where all the big national acts would play. And so a lot of times the um, artists would come to the record store, you know, the day before the show or, or the day of the show. And the Ramones especially were, uh, you know, regulars in there. So every time the Ramones came through town, they always came to the record store. So um, it, it, it's all a story about this big, crazy misadventure 
evening of uh, the Ramones concert in the record store and getting drunk and getting in fights and all that kind of stuff. So it's uh, awesome. it, it's it's really rooted in in nineties, um, you know, culture. Um, yeah, pre internet, uh, whenever you know you couldn't just follow the Ramones on Facebook, you know, and if you got to actually meet him in person, it was a really big deal. I love the idea of thinking of following the Ramones on Facebook now. <laughs> right. Like, it's, you know, like Joey Ramone posting on Facebook. Oh, my God. <laughs> and we're kind of glad that never happened, I guess. Yeah. No, I think we're, I think I think the world's better off for that. That being a case. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, in, in doing uh, those rock and roll comics, we did three of those. And so I get a lot of. Uh, commission requests from people for rock and roll inspired oh, very stuff. Cool. So this this Bob Weir uh, was one of those yeah. uh, commission requests, and so that was that was a fun one. I I'm not I don't know anything of Bob Weir or the Dead, but <laughs> I, I do it. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, Springsteen I, again. The Springsteen was a con sketch. I did that at Heroes Con. Oh, did you? That's awesome. Yeah. Did you do it while you're sitting there, or did you do I, it? Okay. I did it while I was sitting there. Yeah bless you man like it's i i it, i it is oh it was always such a challenge to do sketches i mean back in the day there wasn't the same sort of um competition for you know because there really wasn't a commission world back in the yeah. 90s it was it was a con sketch and yeah. now it's the commission industry so it's yeah like, oh absolutely so it's, it's you a gotta, very you got to bring the a game yeah you have to you have to represent it's not this it's not the same game anymore no, but it's it's excellent though it's so nice to be able to you know have the ipad there and be able to go find reference for stuff yeah for sure i i was i i, I was uh, i was talking to a friend at heroes and i had the local comic shop that I, I go to we have a lot of comic book stores in Asheville for the size of our city and they one of them asked me to sit and do free comic book day and i was like yeah sure cool no problem and, I'm, and then i'm like what did i say yes for i haven't drawn like you know for you know 15 years and like you know so i i show up with all my stuff and i'm doing sketches and people handing me you know one of those uh sketch covers you know to yeah. do things i'm like all I right cool. those things i know way more pressure and yeah. this little like 11 year old boy comes up I was like, oh, hey, do you, you know, you want me to do a drawing for you? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, well, what would you like? And he looks at me and he goes, John Wayne? <laughs> John Wayne, you know? And now I'm thinking like, so yeah, I was on my phone, like looking for pictures of John Wayne. Yeah. But like the iPad would be far more yeah, of a useful tool in that sense. So yeah, that's a huge thing. This is, I love the Miles Davis one. The Miles now. Davis, that's another Heroes Con uh, commission, so. That's great. So you're so you're getting so you're kind of no. Now, did you do like rock? Did you do a like a? Well, you could do Rocktober. You know your own version. Yeah, of you know, and that's uh, th that's always kind of uh, in my back pocket. You know, because mm -hmm. trying to come up with a theme is yeah. is pretty uh, exasperating every year. Yeah, and so that's something that I've always had kind of back there waiting that I'm. I'm yeah. It's but, yeah, I, mean, that I, that I probably will do one of these years. It's a, it's a, I mean, it's, and it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful, yeah, man, do the, do Rocktober one year. Um, yeah, they're, they're very cool. Let's take a quick look at your, some of the comic book pages that you sent me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
independent publisher stuff that's all i do yeah. is independent publisher stuff but this, this was like a, a middle grade story for kids <laughs> yeah right absolutely <laughs> no this was kind of a uh you know, I get uh, I get a lot of horror themed stuff uh, I because I did uh, a couple of years with uh, Vampire the Masquerade, and so I've okay. done a lot of horror comics. I yep. did some cool Jack the Night Stalker at Moonstone wow. Books. So um, cool. So this uh, story was from a book called Strange Horror, and it was um, again, it, it was kind of a sort similar to a cool Jack the Night Stalker kind of uh, story. Mm -hmm. Um. But uh, the you know the guy that uh, that wrote it, Gary Scott Beatty is his name. He's um, he's a great guy, and uh, he he was really he was really open to let me do my thing, you know. Yeah. And so being able to go in here and get you reference for all this crazy uh, architecture and putting all these all these you know wild light and shadow business and yeah. stuff, I had a good time with it. That's rad. And that's, um, boy, that's Marian Anderson from uh, Washington, D.C. That's uh, yeah. some biographical stuff. There's a guy, uh, Matt Dembiski, who's from the Washington, D.C. area, who published a book called District Comics. It was an anthology thing okay. that was all kind of comic stories centered around Washington, D.C. and people and places and phenomena of Washington, D.C. Right on. Um, you know, from stuff like, you know, Bad Brains concerts to, to you know Revolutionary War stuff to modern day stuff and then I this is one that I ended up doing. Um, this was published online. It never made it into print, but um, uh, it was written by a guy named Jeff Campfire and um, uh, two page story. Uh, okay. So I was able to kind of devote a whole lot of time to really getting in there and doing the thing so there was a yeah. lot of outrageous detail going on but i thought really to convey the scope of this thing it kind of had to be so yeah and you know I mean, but the composition is great for the page like it really like you 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 did all that you do all the things to move the eye around to the right spots and it's i know. hope so i hope yeah. so yeah that's again the storytelling is is such a hard part of it and i i find that so many times i think i'm not that good at it and i see people that are good at it and it makes me angry but <laughs> yeah get we you, you, that's what baseball that's for go get them in the dark alley no that's i it's, you know, I, the layouts works really well oh this is so this is the ramon story that's another page from the uh yep. from the ramones comic yeah that was the big uh joey ramon reveal when he came down yep. the uh down the fire escape on the back of the newport music hall and uh the the uh the, the bouncer was trying to trying to kick the guys out and joey said joey comes down and says hey these guys get into the show or we're not playing so right that was that was the big shock moment so that's the, the faces in the bottom there responding to that oh bless joey ramon yeah you know? we're glad for that oh that's more the, so this is more, more, the, same more the same that was after uh after they decided that they couldn't get into the ramon show they decided to go get drunk so nice that's it's very it's very cool yeah, it, yeah the backgrounds though were, were, were a big yeah. deal for me that was one of the things that uh that very first story that i wrote for um negative burn way back when okay this wait this is no that oh. this is not i don't have any of the pages for that in there okay. but that was something that i kind of taught myself at that time okay was uh you know doing backgrounds 
uh, and, and making them work. Uh, yeah. Because that's kind of something a lot of beginners don't want to do is these yeah. backgrounds. And, you know, I kind of put myself in a spot where I, I wanted the backgrounds to tell some story as well. Yeah. And I wanted to kind of make them a little more personal and put a lot more into them. And so from, from since then, that's kind of been a big thing for me is that environment. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of what I was going for here. You know, the city, the, you know, nineties Columbus is as big a part of this story as the people in it are. So right. it was important to kind of get those places and make them real, you know, make them work. It makes me think of like, you know, like I was listening to uh, an interview with Michael Mann and I'm thinking about like how important the place is in a Michael Mann film versus, sure. you know, versus his sort of his peerage, which would be somewhere like, you know, on one end of being, you know, Stanley Kubrick all the way to like uh, Ridley Scott, who are you, they were all sort of peers at, at one point. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in the late seventies, early eighties. And, but like for man, like the space that the characters are in is as important as the characters and what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, and it, it really sets him apart as a, as a visual, you know, storyteller and how, you know, how he treats this, you know, the, the narrative in that respect. And so like for that, you're thinking that term, you're like, you're sort of approaching it in that man, ish manish way i don't know and uh, esque way i don't know man esque that sounds a little less um weird um yeah and so I, I totally get that because yeah i mean no no we don't want to draw the backgrounds but they really are they're what put the characters in the story otherwise it's just a a fight in space yeah yeah or struggle in space let's call it struggle sure and okay. and there's so much you know it's such a rewarding thing to, to, to put something down and, and, yeah. and make it work and make it look good. And uh, so it, it's kind of become a focus of mine when I'm laying out a page to have at least a good, you know, establishing shot like that. Yeah, no, and it's, it is so important, you know, yeah. And it's, I mean, it's listen, storytelling one-on-one, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta let your reader know where they are and yeah. then and keep them grounded in that world. Yeah, and I want, to, sure. I want to circle back to this because I just this is this is just a, a wonderful piece. Um, it's great. When did you do this? That was October twenty seventeen. Okay. Wow. Okay. Uh, I did all Tim Burton that month, so you okay. got your Beetlejuice stuff, your Batman, yeah. and your Edward Scissorhands, and Sleepy Hollow, and Edward, and all yeah. that stuff. No, it's it's totally it's totally cool. Um, yeah, and I mean, and a total subject, and the total subject of our like, you know, our child, our I guess our our young selves. You know, yeah. I mean, Winona is like, <laughs> she's our she's our poster child. You know, oh so, for sure, she's yeah. another Generation X poster child, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. And that was actually an Inktober postscript because I did a Lydia back, you know, early in the month, and yeah. it just ate at me the whole month. That like, man, I did not like that Lydia. And being a daily, you know, drawing thing, and you you put in an hour, an hour and a half on it. I'm not going to start over and do another one the same night, so I'm going to let that one sit. And then yeah. November first, I'm going to do another Lydia. So that's what bonus I did track on first. So. Bonus track. 
<laughs> likes those things. It's a bonus track, yes. That's be it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. So um what come on, hide. There you go. It's lagging. Um what do you what like are you working on any projects right now that you're excited about? Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I tell you, I I am working with a guy right now named Joel Meadows, who is the publisher of Tripwire magazine in the UK. It's kind of a uh, comics journal-esque publication only not okay. quite so uh highbrow uh, right. tripwire tripwire gets a little more into the uh the pop culture of things you know and they're not afraid to run an article about hellboy or whatever okay cool um so uh anyway joel i met joel at a uh, pittsburgh comic-con in probably like 2006 or something and you know and we talked and we have a lot of um similar sensibilities and things and so he's again like gary reed he's got this story that he'd been wanting to get out all this time and we've been talking about it for years and so just uh just a few years ago we started kind of trying to make it happen so it's um it's called sherlock holmes and the empire builders and it's kind of an alternate history sort of uh uh story with uh a over the hill past his prime Sherlock Holmes, who's lost his house and uh -huh. uh, is kind of, you know, and he's in Watson is gone. And so he's off on his own, but he's still got it. Yeah. And so he's, uh, he's writing this thing and it's eventually going to be a pretty large uh, collection of things, but we're kind of doing it. You know, he and I both don't have the time to vote to putting out a 150 page graphic novel all in one go. So right. Uh, we're serializing this thing, um, you know, eight, 10 pages at a time in Tripwire magazine. Sure. So uh, we've done, I think, maybe three sort of chapters thus far, and I'm working on a fourth right now. Um, and it's it's some pretty rewarding stuff, too, you know, kind of like the, uh, the Columbus rock and roll books. It's got a very specific kind of time and place and feel to it. So, yeah takes a lot of reference hunting and uh you know a little bit of mental um you know uh jumps to try and kind of imagine what this environment's going to look like because i can't just pick up the exact same things because it is kind of an alternate history thing and so you have to take these you know maybe these buildings that have been destroyed that you know what would they look like now and things like that so oh. I, lo um, I love alternate history. I was having a very, very uh, a conversation about that earlier today with a, a writer acquaintance. And uh, I watched um, yesterday, this this last weekend. So it's the Danny Boyle movie about the sort of the conceit is that the Beatles. Oh, the, the Beatles one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's good. Um, but I really would have loved it if the writers had sort of dug into what the world really like. We, it, that we got a better picture of what the world looked like without the yes. Beatles in it. Yes, we got a very narrow view of it. Yes. Like we but didn't I'm get sure it would probably be a lot more widespread. Like we don't that. get Coca Cola. I'm like, okay, but the Coca Cola predates the Beatles. So like, does Coke not being here is that what stops the Beatles from not being like? It was one of those right. kinds of like. But I would love to have seen like what this sort of the the worldview was without those those four individuals because they mm -hmm. kind of they did a lot um and uh but i love alternate like alternate reality you know stuff alternate history whatever you want to call it um 
fiction is just fascinating to me because it really allows you to kind of it's like a mashup approach to to storytelling you can kind of take the thing that we all know but mm -hmm. pushing a different thing in there and everyone gets a kind of a new view of it yeah. uh, there's a great um book by michael shavon the author mm -hmm. um about an elder uh sherlock holmes really it's like a hundred page kind of novella um okay. i i highly recommend it in reading it i think you yeah. would dig it um it's a good one. So you can find it and read it in a couple of days. It's not, not a big deal. Um, and it's beautifully written. So I'll send you the, I'll send you the information on it. So that way, great. Because, you know, we all forget everything. Um, <laughs> so uh, that sounds super exciting, like really exciting as a, as a project. And, um, and so if we, can we find those on Tripwire? Like, is, is there a way to look at the ones that have already been sent out? Hello, Doug. <laughs> Oh, yep. Yeah, the dog's needy today. Okay. <laughs> yeah, tri we have, uh, uh, Tripwire has been publishing more uh, like big twice yearly specials, these big fat uh, collections, uh, like it's spring and fall. Okay. Uh, and I believe they probably are available through Tripwire's Sweet. website. All right. Well. I'll, I guess I couldn't I'll, tell you for sure right I'm gonna now. I'm going to see if I can track them down because, I mean, it's it, to me, the subject matter is just right up my alley. And, you yeah. know, and if you're if you're illustrating that, then it's even more of, a, of an incentive. Yeah, the, we're planning right now. Uh, they do uh, kind of fundraiser sort of Kickstarter style fundraisers before yeah. the big specials come out so people can put in pre-orders for things. Okay, cool. So those will usually get shared big time through my social channels. Sweet. Whenever Sweet. those are happening. I'll keep an eye on it. Now, do you guys have plans of doing a collected edition for the whole Yeah, thing? yeah. The the end game really is to um, probably end up self-publishing the thing. Yeah. Uh, we have spoken with a few different publishers, um, and we're trying to, you know, find one that kind of fits you know, budget-wise in addition to, you know, content-wise and haven't really settled on anything yet. Okay. So we probably will end up self-publishing thing the thing by the time it's all said and done. I, I'm I'm envisioning that sort of uh, that really just British brown, reddish brown leatherette with the with the gold you know you know line work you know designs and they're just really simple simple sort of very un, you know unassuming uh, you know copy of a Sherlock Holmes you know. Right? that like that would that's like looking i see that on my shelf so yeah. if you guys can make that happen that's what i want it to look like <laughs> um, noted yeah so um where where so uh, on the social medias um i've got your your uh, your handle down below but where is the best is that the best place for people to track you down yeah i i probably these days uh instagram is where i update most okay uh, and that's my Instagram handle. Uh, it also, I also share everything over to Twitter as well, which is the same handle. So, yeah. Um, you know, I have a website, but it's far, far, far out of date because nobody cares about websites anymore. It's so crazy, man. It's so crazy. Um, you know, the, there's a very strange sort of discussion about like, 
you know, authors have it a lot because like a lot of publishers will be like, hey, we'll create a we'll create a website for you, you know, and you can have a website with us. But the thing is, is then that the, the publisher owns your website like they own right. like the content. So like the whole like it's this interesting back and forth thing that we have in our digital world where we we claim our websites, whatever the thing is, whether it's a company, an individual, whatever the thing is, and we put it out there and we, and now we have control over this thing, but then someone comes along with some really super trick looking, super easy to do, you know, platform. And then everyone goes running over to that and they, they ignore their website slash blog, whatever the thing is. And then they do that thing and they're all busy working on that. And then they grow tired of that because people are horrible on social media to one degree or another. And right. then they go, well, you know what? I just want to have my own thing. So then they create their own thing, you know, and then, then they go rushing off to the next social media thing. And now like, I think everyone's fleeing like their websites right now and all this stuff. And now everyone's on Substack. you know, like that's yeah. the new thing for the creators. Um, and then, I'm sure we're all going to get angry because of something about Substack right. and, you know, because like, are they going to say, well, now we own this, you know, and then everyone's going to run away and go, you know, so don't get rid of your website. That's yep. my it, tip. It's always right there. I mean, it's yeah. not going anywhere. So yeah, it's a, uh, it's just hard to fold that into one's sort of work life process. Like what's the workflow? How do you make sure it's there? And it's not something that feels like, Ugh, I gotta go do that. That's the right. worst. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, cool. So yeah, go find find Andy. Uh so for anybody listening, it'll be in the it'll be in the description, but um it's Bennett B-E-N-N-E-T. But switch out the E's for threes. But they're not three E's. It's it's a little confusing um conceptually, but it works. There's two N's, two T's, two E's, and a B. Um, it's a visual thing, yeah. It is. It is. And it's, as I said before, it is totally metal and I love it. Um, Andy, thanks so much for joining me today. This is like, it's been a real pleasure talking with you. Likewise. Likewise. Yeah, I, I don't get to, uh, I don't get to do a whole lot of stuff like this. So this is treat. Well, it's, it's been, it's been a great talk and it actually opened my eyes up to a few things uh in in so in many ways and a few things about myself which i'm really happy that it, that's kind of what i do this for is some sort of like talk therapy with you know like the creative mind of myself i'm like how do i manage this how does this person manage that because yeah. everyone everyone's kind of wrestling the same stuff and it's how they go about it uh, oh there certainly is value in in sharing with that yeah 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 totally so um yeah and uh drawing man because it's great and like what, what are we two three months away for from october We're from october yeah and i still haven't decided what i'm doing yet so i usually don't decide until mid-september sometime anyway so. oh my gosh what about a raffle could you do could you could you do a raffle <laughs> off do, a and bowl, like, do a raffle yeah, do a bowl and a raffle and like the yeah like maybe you could find a way to get a winner and they get a free t-shirt hey. um <laughs> but uh, that would be cool i can't well i can't wait to see what you you produce um hard to talk yeah muppets man muppets is pretty big that was, muppets a was fun i did i did that for two years i did 2019 and 2021 so i did 62 days of muppets and then all the commissions on top of that so i, I really more than sort of got that out of my system i would think so i would yeah. hope so 
I would hope so, unless unless you get a gig with Henson. Uh, yeah, for sure. And and, I, and that's what I, you know, I, I was talking with a friend about how, you know, that we might continue with something like this, you know, maybe get in touch with the Disney uh, uh, people about doing some prints or something, you know, sure. for uh, for the parks or whatever. I know they do a lot of limited limited edition prints they sure do. For their theme parks and such so that's yep. you know something i might try and look into at some point but uh yeah you don't I mean, ever get tired of it it's, it's they're, great they're beautiful they're beautiful pieces and I, i'm sure many other people outside of you know this the twitter sphere and the comic sphere would be really excited to see that stuff so uh, maybe maybe do it man i hope so yeah all right man um this is great i really had a great time you know Find us somewhere online. You know how that works. Find For Andy sure. somewhere. Um, Andy, it was the best time today having a talk with you, my friend. And um, we'll catch you later, all right? You bet. Thanks again. Thanks again. See you.